0: Well, welcome, come have a seat. I have the job of gathering you all in and I uh, just want to say good morning to everybody. Welcome. Uh, I'm glad you're here despite our hurricane adventures this week. Um, maybe you're here because of your hurricane adventures um, but we're glad you're here and uh, our prayers are for everybody affected and um, for everybody's houses and families and friends and especially down in these coastal areas. We just say that God looks after them and bring some quick clean-up. I've seen some some awful pictures this weekend of the mess that's been left behind, and it's going to take a lot of clean-up. So just be praying for those people the next few weeks. Um, I don't really need to introduce myself. You know my name. It's Rachel. If you don't, you do now. I just want to draw your attention to our graphic. I think this is like the best picture. (laughs) Isn't that so cool? Such um, exuberance and joy expressed just uh, from jumping. Really cool, guys. I'm sorry that mine camp was cancelled. You know, most most of us women were okay with you going. We really were, but there was another woman out there who obviously wasn't. Florence kicked <laughs> kicked in her heels and said, "Nope, not today." So uh, let's get started. Well, I was kind of looking up uh, how to start the sermon and uh, figuring out what to talk about, I turned to the great source, the font of all wisdom and knowledge, that is Wikipedia. Don't tell your college lecturers that not the way to go about it. I was just looking for a dictionary definition, and that gave the kind of nicest definition. I wanted something that was going to define pilgrimage. (laughs) So Wikipedia describes pilgrimage as this. It's a journey or a search for moral or spiritual significance. Typically, it is a journey to a shrine or another location of importance to a person's beliefs and faith. Now I know that in here today we have some die-hard sports fans. Yeah, I knew it was going to be you. Um, and have you ever really wanted to go to your favourite team's stadium just to be there? I know that Elijah's dream is to go to Liverpool Stadium, which is called what? Anfield. You know, just to be there. To soak in the atmosphere, to experience the the sheer size of the place, and um, to see the field on which the players play, to walk in the corridors where your sports heroes have walked—they um, just want to go there. They just want to experience it. Or maybe, if you're not really bothered by sports, you might want to uh, go to Israel. Maybe you want to experience the Holy Land. Uh, You want to see the streets where Jesus walked. You want to see the hills that he rested in. You want to see the shorelines that he talked to the disciples and told his stories on. Or maybe there's something else. Maybe, especially poignant this week, you remember the day, September 11th, 2001. And you have a desire now to to go to New York and visit the memorial where the Twin Towers once stood. You want to remember the lives taken and you want to honor those first responders that ran into the face of danger all those things are some kind of pilgrimage um, they're all a journey a place of significance and we're all on a journey together we're all on some sort of pilgrimage we're on a journey together walking towards Jesus and towards eternity and there'll be times when we get tired and there'll be times when our journey gets rough and we need that those who are walking with us to help us to walk to keep going. And there'll be times when we'll be the ones encouraging others on their journey. And it's a journey that the Father has invited us into and he wants to partner with us on it. So this morning we're going to take some time just to to think about what that pilgrimage looks like for us together in this church of Greenville Vineyard and in our community of Greenville or whatever community that you find yourself a part of outside of these walls. So let's just Pray together, and uh, we'll get going. Holy Spirit, we just invite you here this morning. Would you come? Would you just rest on each one of us here? Father, would you stir in our hearts the things that you want to stir up? Would you bring to mind the areas that you want to deal with in our lives? We just give you permission now to, to do your thing. And Lord, we pray for all those families on the coast who have been affected so badly by this hurricane. Father, we pray that you would um, bring them help, um, help them to to clean up afterwards. We just invite you here now in the name of Jesus. So if you come to this church regularly, then hopefully you'll be aware of uh, some of the things that we do in our Vineyard Kids Ministries. One of the things that we started doing recently is our kids and youth takeover. I'm sure you've all experienced (laughs) the chaos that comes with that, Um, but it's fun. Um, But that that takeover, it's it's not just to give us adults a day off, although that is a bonus. But there is intentionality and purpose behind what we're doing there. And it's that purpose that actually shapes part of the vision of our church, um, where everybody gets to play, no matter how young or how old you are. And we are, here in Greenville Vineyard, what we call a pilot church for a thing that the vineyard movement has been working on, and that's called a vineyard pilgrimage. I'm going to give you a little lesson this morning (laughs) on this thing. So basically, um, being the pilot church just means that we test new resources and we give them feedback on what's working and what's not working. And we kind of just give them back any ideas that we might have about how to improve on things. So what is Vineyard Pilgrimage? I can hear you all asking. Not a a sound, no. You are asking quietly in your heads, what is Vineyard Pilgrimage, Rachel? So (laughs) I'll tell you. Taken straight out of our Vineyard Pilgrimage package, it says this. Vineyard Pilgrimage is a conceptual framework for spiritual formation. It will help provide an intentional and continuous journey of spiritual development for all stages of life. Rooted in kingdom of God theology, the Vineyard Pilgrimage encourages every person from the youngest child to the seasoned sage to grow in his or her ability to love God and love others. Doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that just sound like fancy language for making disciples? (laughs) Yes, this is exactly what it is. But what it is, is it's meant to help us be intentional about how we go about that job of making disciples. Now, every age and stage of life, everybody has something great to do as followers of Jesus. Isn't that right? From our little kids in our kids' rooms over here, to the person in this room today with the whitest hair, who would that be? I'm not going to say, you guys can figure it out. I'm just going to say that Lowell and Kathy are not here this morning, but they've got pretty white hair. So, (laughs) you all have something great to do as a follower of Jesus. And when you get older, you don't just get to say, tag, you're it, I'm out. I've done my part. That's not right, because Jesus wants you to keep running the race. You might run a little bit slower as you get older, but you keep going. As Paul says in Philippians 3.14, you press on towards the goal. And our national director, Phil Strout, he uses this phrase, fruitful longevity, because we're in it for the long haul, and we want to be fruitful all the way to the end. And sometimes we hear language like passing on the baton. And I'm sorry to tell you this morning that that's not language that we're going to use. We're not going to get to pass on that baton. And I'm going to steal an illustration from the guy that oversees the kind of kids and youth for Vineyard. Um, His name's Rick Olmsted. So let me have a couple of volunteers. These two young likely lads can do. (laughs) Right. Come on up. And I'm going to give you this is our baton. So if you've ever done a relay race, What's going to happen, Elijah? You're going to go back here a little bit, all the way back here. And David is going to be here, poised and ready to run. You're going to be ready, facing forward with your hand backwards, ready to catch that baton. Don't knock me over when you run. Right? Come forward. Okay, Elijah's got the baton and he's running. He's running his race. He's keeping going. Come on, Elijah, you're running fast. Faster than that. And then, but stop. What happened when he passed on the baton? He stopped running the race. David got to keep going, but he just stopped. Thank you, David. <laughs> Come back with our pen! <laughs> Thank you. Okay. So, yeah, so when you pass on the baton, it suggests that your race is over, and your race is never actually over. You've got to keep going. And so the illustration that we have um, used in the... I don't know who came up with it. I'll, I'll credit it to Rick said, But he was talking about a torch, having a torch, not the kind of... Flashlight torch for those of you that use British English. <laughs> but it's the torch that you hold it has a flame on it that you light the way with your flame. And as you go on your journey, you use that torch to light the flames of those around you. And then you keep going, holding that flame and doing your best to keep that thing burning. Now, as we go on this journey with Jesus. Research has shown us that there are certain transition points where people wander away from their calling in Christ, from the local church support systems as well. But because we believe that everyone gets to play, this is the idea that the Vineyard Pilgrimage um, seeks to strengthen disciples to thrive during each of these transition stages and to keep those torches burning. So I was going to show you this picture so that you can kind of get a better idea of what I mean by these transition stages, it's easier to kind of visualize them. So you can see on here, the black, if you follow the black lines, you can see the downward-turned-arrows. They kind of come along at the end of elementary school, end of middle school. And those downward-turned-arrows, those are times where research has shown that a high proportion of people walk away from their faith, and we want to intentionally bridge those gaps however we can to purposely draw people back For example, we can see from this graphic that one of those drop-offs is towards the end of middle school and going into high school. And what we do here is we send our kids to Camp Vineyard every year. And it's a fantastic camp. It's got fun activities and friends and lots of noise and all that good stuff. But it's also a place where kids, um, many of them get to experience God for the first time or in a way that they never have done before. And if you know something, you know that when you experience the presence of God, you just want more and more of it, don't you? There's something that is so sweet about the presence of God that we keep coming back and he draws us back for more of who he is. And another major drop-off point on there um, is when we finish high school and uh, head off to college. That's a huge one. When kids get to college, all of a sudden they have this newfound freedom with no one telling them where to be or what to do or what time to be home or what to eat for dinner and what time to get up in the morning. It's just this newfound freedom, and they can do their own thing for once. And if their faith isn't their own thing, but rather something that they've been made to do for years, then you can bet that that's something that they'll leave behind. Now, Obviously, we can't make people have faith. That's something between God and them, but what we can do is be prepared, knowing that these drop-offs are coming. And we can seek to make spaces for our young adults to exercise their faith and to put it into practice so that it can get stronger. And we can create opportunities where relationships can be formed across our generations. And that people can get advice and the voice of experience from somebody that isn't mum or dad. And then we can all pray for each other. And uh, just by the way, in case you might be wondering or asking, those little green dots, the milestones that are on there, they're times of celebration. They're times like maybe um, someone gets baptized or somebody's graduating into an older group or you know we can kind of make them up. Whatever we want to celebrate, <laughs> we celebrate, but we choose to, to come together and have fun together as well because that's something else that fills us in. So we all have it in us here this morning to navigate life transitions, because each of us here has the power to influence other people's stories. And I want us to take a look at some of the examples from the Bible where people of various ages who were on their journey and they have had their story impacted by those around them. So let's start with Joash. This is from Second Chronicles 24. Joash was seven years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 40 years. His mother was Zibiah from Beersheba. Joash did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight throughout the lifetime of Jehoiada the priest. Jumping on to 17. But after Jehoiada's death, the leaders of Judah came and bowed before King Joash and persuaded him to listen to their advice. They decided to abandon the temple of the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and they worshipped Asherah poles and idols instead. Because of this sin, Divine anger fell on Judah and Jerusalem. Joash's father died when he was a baby and Joash became king at seven years old. His mother ensured that he was taught and trained by Jehoiada the priest. And Jehoiada not only trained Joshua, but he, uh, not Joshua, Joash, same letters. (laughs) But he made sure that he was protected from harm. While he received this good counsel and protection, Joash made good decisions. He did what pleased the Lord. However, after Jehoiada's death, Joash took advice from unwise sources, and that consequently led to his downfall downfall, to the point where he was assassinated by his own officials while he was asleep in his bed. No matter what stage of life we are in, it's so important to seek godly counsel. We need to choose who we listen to and who influences our decisions. Jehoiada was a man who kept God's laws. He encouraged Joash to do the same. And Jehoiada was blessed with a long life of 130 years. He was honored by the people with a royal burial. So we know that, that Jehoiada was a man of character. He was a man that was honored. His life bore much fruit. And in contrast to that, the leaders of Judah that gave bad advice, convincing Joash to abandon the temple of the Lord and to worship idols in Asherah pole, We need to look to people of good character. We need to look for people with fruit in their lives before we decide whether we're going to take counsel from them or not. And we also need to be the kind of people who are willing to give godly counsel and encouragement to those around us. For those of you who are further on this journey of life, your experiences and your wisdom are invaluable. You can be the voice from the sidelines saying, you can do it, I know it's hard. Here's what helped me. I've been there and I know that it's possible. It's a privilege to cheer people on and to, to share our wisdom and our experience with them. There's too many people today that have never had it modeled to them about what it looks like to be a healthy adult. They've gone through life without a decent role model to guide them or to show them what it's like to feel protected and provided for. Joe Ash, he had the privilege of a good role model in Jehoiada. He knew what it was to be protected and guided. And it's unfortunate that Joash was led astray after Jehoiada died. But you know, if if we want to leave a legacy, if we want to make a difference in people, then we have to first invest in their lives. I read a quote from Seth Dahl this week and he said, legacies don't become legacies without first investing. And there's one thing that we know about investing, and that's that. It comes with risk. There's always a risk, but sometimes that risk is worth it. Moving on to Joshua and Moses. Have a drink. Let's read this passage from Exodus 17, verse 8. While the people of Israel were at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua. Choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms Soon became tired. So tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses' hand, or each side of Moses holding up his hand. So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. Joshua was Moses' trusted assistant. Moses poured into Joshua, he mentored him and he helped um, Joshua to become a wise and a trusted leader. And in this story, we see that Joshua and others from the next generation were out, out in battle. Moses was up on the hill watching the events and as long as he held his hands up to the Lord, God's blessing was with Joshua. Joshua and the rest of the army, they advanced. And if Moses' hands fell, and Joshua lost ground. My question is this. Who are you holding your hands up for? Who are you praying for? And who are you calling down God's blessings on? And how are you helping the next generation advance? You know, we need our men and women to hold their hands up for our kids. We need you to, hold, to call down God's blessings on their lives. And we need you to help them advance. There's a whole generation through in these room, there's a generation in here as well, that need you to be holding up your hands to God and calling down blessing and helping them to move forward through the difficulties of life through this society that has gone kind of crazy <laughs> from an older person's perspective. I, I get to say I'm an older person now, <laughs> that's kind of weird, <laughs> but you get to like Call down God's blessings and help them to navigate all the crazy things that they're going to have to navigate from now on. We also see that Moses grew tired and in stepped Aaron and her. They helped to hold up Moses' arms. Who do you have in your life that's going to help you hold up your arms when you're tired and when you're weary? Maybe you need to go find those people. Maybe you need to ask people to pray for you. Maybe you need to be in small group so that you can ask the people in small group to pray for you. That is a shameless plug. Yes. Our small groups have started back. You will find community and people to pray for you and support you and keep you going in life. You need to join one. <laughs> so our last example this morning is Mary. And I don't have a verse for Mary because I'm kind of being a bit lazy. I'm not doing it. I'm kind of believing that maybe you know the story of Mary because you've seen so many nativity shows and you've kind of heard the Christmas story a lot. But it's a little bit of a different example. I want us to see that how, if we have God's heart for those around us, we can help change their story. So Mary, as we hopefully know, was a young girl of about 14 or 15. And she was engaged to be married when she encountered an angel who told her that she was going to conceive a child and that that child was going to be the son of God. Can you just imagine how that information went down? I'm sure it was a bit of a shock and a bit of a voice. Never mind the fact there's an angel there, right? It's that kind of news. But Mary, in her humility and her obedience, said, yes, Lord. And then she lived with the consequences of that obedience. And she must have been made fun of. Those around her must have been like, really, Mary, God's child? In Scotland, we we have this phrase, we're like, yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, right, sure it is, you know. Could you not have come up with a better excuse? We all know what you've been up to. She would have been gossiped about. She would have been judged. Have you seen Mary? She's pregnant, and it's not even Joseph's. She says that it's the Son of God. Bless her heart. doesn't actually say that in the Bible, I just don't know. (laughs) I've been in the South for a while now. <laughs> but She may even have been shunned and shut out by her friends. And those whisperings, those would have continued as Jesus grew up. Told you that child was going to be trouble. You know, they're going to crucify him like he's a criminal. He was always going to end up that way. He's got her as a mother. But the thing about Mary's story is that it could have been so different. She could have bought into those lies and the whisperings about her. She could have believed the stories that other people wanted to write over her. But she chose to believe what the Father God was saying over her. She chose to believe what he wrote over her life. She was valued and worthy, and she was given the privilege to carry in her womb the saviour of the world, the one whom the scriptures had prophesied of. Her story could have been one of shame, but instead it was rewritten and it was turned upside down into one of dignity and one of value and one of belonging. And what I wanted to pull out of Mary's story here is for us to, to look at those around us, in our church, in our school, in college, in work, in, at the gym, at our community garden, wherever you spend your time, for those that are, you find yourself around, what is it? that has been written over their lives, what story are they living under? Are they experiencing insignificance? Are they experiencing loneliness or shame? And how can you, as one who follows Jesus, come alongside them and help them on their journey to see what God has written over them? Where the world sees shame, you have the ability to speak in dignity. And when the world sees worthlessness, you have the ability to speak in value. When the world has written them off, you can show them how God has written them in to His plans and His purposes. Mary was invited into God's great story of redemption. And just like we, the church here, have been invited into continuing His story on earth in 2018, God can use you to bring healing and restoration. He can use you to call out the plans and the purposes of God in those who thought that they had been excluded because of where their story began. But the fact is this, our story never excludes us from God's plan. There's always a hope and there's always a future. And the question is this, are you going to use the abilities and the giftings that God has given you to call that hope and the future out in those around you? as we move into ministry this morning, um, just a couple of things that I was thinking about as we were was writing this. Is there somebody that's come to your mind when you're thinking about the circles that you're in and the people that are around you? Is God showing you somebody that needs to see that their story is one that can be redeemed? to ask him to show you somebody in your life that just needs to know what God has written over them. Maybe it's your story this morning. Maybe you don't feel that you can do much for God or that he can do much for you because of where your story started. But God invites you to come to him. He invites you to sit with him and to listen to the truth that he has written over your life. And he wants to write, rewrite your story. So if that is you, then come forward this morning and get some prayer from our prayer team. The other thing that I felt like God maybe wanted us to touch on this morning was maybe you haven't been investing in people the way that you think that God has wanted you to. Maybe you've taken your foot off of that gas pedal a little bit and uh, you've not really been moving forward with the torch, the way that you want to move uh, forward with the torch. So if that is you, then I just encourage you this morning just to, to come to the Father. He's not a God of condemnation. He doesn't want to put you down for things. He doesn't want to lay blame or anything like that. All He wants is for you to come and join Him in His journey and in His glory here on earth. And it, it delights Him to know that you want to speak into other people's lives. You know, if you're helping one other, one other person flourish in life, then you're joining in with the work of God on this earth. So just come to him and just allow him to, to show you, the people around you whose lives you wants, he wants you to speak into. Allow him to show you where you can find the time to invest in another person. Maybe it's time that's the issue. We're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. Holy Spirit, would you come? Be here now. We just believe, Father, that you are good. So good. You're so kind. Lord, I pray that if there's people here this morning that feel shame, they feel that maybe they are just don't have the worth that you have said they have, but I pray that you would reverse those stories now in the name of Jesus, that you would turn those things around, the, the things that have been spoken over your life that aren't true, I pray, Lord, that you would Turn those things upside down now in the name of Jesus that people would hear your voice of truth over the lies that have been spoken about them. Maybe those lies are, you're not good enough. You'll never amount to anything. You're never going to make it to where you want to make it to. You know, God says you are good enough. God says you're more than capable because you have the strength of Christ along with you.